gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Kansas City, welcome to this delightful, beautiful, glorious edition of Tapped In from the KCPN studios at Taps on Main, downtown Kansas City, in the crossroads, best wings in the city, all the frickin' beer, and the home of champions, Los Campeones. Folks, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. Los Campeones is Spanish for the champions. And that is what the tailgate podcast was after last night's NFL draft game brought to you by the tailgate podcast and KCPN. You see, can you see it? Can you see it? Kansas city? Look at this piece of work behind me. This marker board tailgate podcast draft battle for charity. All this blue and red and black all over up here. Jaguars all the way down to the Buccaneers at 32, all 32 picks last night. And your champions, 47 to 37, tailgate over Midwest Mics and the Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, it feels good to be the victors. So how did it happen? Well, I mean, you know, some normal things happened. Trevor Lawrence went one, Zach Wilson went two, no surprises there. Uh, but <clears throat> from there is where things got a little bit intense. I have to take off my sunglasses now to get into it because, goodness gracious, it got intense. Your, uh, your hometown team, your boys, the tailgate, Aaron, Ty, myself, Grant, Ponch, full, full steam ahead, man. We have the team working. But we came down to the pivotal moment of the number three pick and what in Sam hell were the San Francisco 49ers going to do with that third pick? Was it going to be Mac Jones out of Alabama? Was it going to be Trey Lance out of North Dakota State? For God's sake, could it have been Justin Fields from Ohio State? I'm not giving you the the Ohio State because, man, just, nah, screw that. After all the smoke had cleared from what was clearly a great deal of smoke screens, ladies and gentlemen, the future quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance. Trey Lance out of Indy State was the choice for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and the Brain Trust out in San Francisco. Definitely kind of surprised a lot of people. You know who it didn't surprise? That smiley face means that the tailgate got that pick right. And then the tailgate, man, we came up with another, another tough one right there. At number five, what were the Bengals going to do? Were they going to give last year's first overall pick, Joe Burrow, the protection that he needed with the elite, just ridiculously mammoth left tackle out of Oregon, Benai Sewell? Or were they going to reunite him with his former teammate, his top target in the most productive, illustrious season in the history of college football of what was the 2019 Bayou Bengal LSU Tigers, his number one target, Jamar Chase. What were the Cincinnati Bengals going to do? Well, 
Bengals are going to bangle, and the Bengals decided to roll with their Bayou Bengals, and they reunited them former Bayou Bengals, and they went after Jamar Chase. And once again, do you know who knew that? Do you know who saw this Bengal connection happening? Your boys at the tailgate. Boom. And we just kept on rolling from there. And so it was a 47 to 37 victory. I'm not going to talk too much trash. I'll save that for when we do the tailgate next week. Uh, but suffice to say, after all the smoke had cleared, after all was said and done, at the end of the day, once again, Los Campeones is Spanish for the champions. And that's why that belt is sitting right here on this table. Because this is the house of the champions. All right. So anyway, let's get into some more of this draft talk. Or suffice to say, let's really get into the news that started off the draft before the draft had started that encompassed the entire sports world. Holy crap, ladies and gentlemen, one year after the Green Bay Packers selected a quarterback, the seeming heir apparent to a one Aaron Rodgers, one year later, on that first round draft day, all of a sudden news starts to leak that Aaron Rodgers has notified some within the Green Bay organization that he does not wish to suit up in the green and gold next year. Packer fans are freaking out. Guaranteed. And so there was the big fervor all over the place. What was green? What was going to happen? What was Green Bay going to do? There was talk of San Francisco. Then there was talk of Denver. Was John Elway going to be able to pull off another insane coup and be able to, at this point, continue on his career, save his career, in all honesty, by going and plucking another Hall of Fame quarterback who has, who has sour, been, been tossed aside by his previous organization, albeit that's different from the Manning situation. Indy tossed him aside. Green Bay has made it very clear they do not want to part ways with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. And they have that became evident as the draft played out. And there was even word. There was word at one point, reports from Mark Schlereth, close with the Denver Broncos, that a deal with the Broncos was as close to a done deal as possible. But then when the Broncos came up, number nine pick in the first round, they went up there and they made their draft pick. Roger Goodell made the announcement. Patrick Sertan II, cornerback out of Alabama, number nine to the Denver Broncos. No Aaron Rodgers deal. No, all of a sudden you see the flicker of the, the trade alert and then that green and gold pops up. Nothing like that happened. There was question marks of maybe something happens at number three with San Francisco. Were they going to deal for Aaron Rodgers? I find it very tough to think that a deal gets done anytime soon now because there's no way an organization like the Green Bay Packers would be willing to trade Aaron Rodgers without getting an immediate return. And with the first round now done, I just don't see it in the cards for the Packers to be willing to wait until future first round picks when it does nothing to help them in the 2021 season if they were to not run number 12 out there to be behind center and to command that team. And do they have the trust in Jordan Love last year's first round pick at this point in time? And I think that is a resounding no. 
But so Aaron Rodgers has stayed put, and then it did come out after the draft that the Packers have said they that he is their guy. They want him back in Green Bay. And so a lot of drama coming out of uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. We will continue to see what happens there. But, man, that crazy way to kick off the day. We were here getting ready for our draft show, and, man, that was, you know, our, our owner, founder, Gat, broke that news to a few of us, and we, it just – Man, the day just started to go off the rails from there. And if you watched the uh, draft show, you know that it continued to run off the rails as uh, as the draft show went on. But anywho, back into the draft. Not surprising. Trevor Lawrence won to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, two to the New York Jets. Then the Trey Lance. That was a huge sigh of relief from us at the tailgate because we had literally been thinking about pulling out our hair at the thought of them actually trading up, the Niners trading up from 12 to 3 to go get Mac Jones, who we were like, he's got, he would be there available at 12. You could sit at 12, Mac Jones will fall to you, more likely than not, which as the draft board fell out, he would have been there. So, But I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, as previously mentioned to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at 5. His, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Miami, 6, took Jalen Waddell, wide receiver out of Bama. 7, Detroit, Panay Sewell, that previously mentioned Mammoth left tackle out of Oregon. Eight, Carolina went with the first cornerback off the board. J.C. Horn is in son of former chief and Saint Joe Horn. And number nine, Denver again went Sertan. Sertan the second. Ten, Philadelphia selected Devontae Smith, Waddle's teammate and Mac Jones' teammate. Uh, Devontae Smith, the uh, very highly decorated wide receiver out of the Heisman Trophy winner wide receiver out of Alabama after the wonderful senior season he just had. And uh, Chicago traded up to 11 to go get their guy. They saw their guy falling down the draft board, and they did what they didn't do four years ago when they, they traded up to go get their guy, but they traded up to go get the – they traded up to the number three spot uh, – I'm sorry, the number two spot to go get – of the person a lot of people saw as the third best quarterback on the board. This time they traded up to the number 11 spot in the draft to go get the guy who is most likely the second best quarterback on the board. You know, it depends on who, who you believe, but they went and got Justin Fields, and that's a big – that's a power play by Chicago, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about, about that here shortly. Um, <clears throat> at number 12, after trading down with Philadelphia from 10 to 12, the Cowboys took uh, linebacker Micah Parsons out of Penn State which, uh, it's uh, man, Aaron, resident uh, Cowboys fan, was not happy with that at all. And uh, Gary from Midwest Mike's, and again, shout out, I should give a shout out too, to, uh, to Gary representing Midwest, Midwest Mike's and Austin calling in. Excuse me, it wasn't Austin calling in. It was uh, John Gruden calling in to Gary to talk. And, uh, but I'd like to thank John Gruden and Austin. Uh, and then obviously Lance and Eddie from The Spoken for joining us last night. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and so uh, thanks for you know coming in here so we could kick your butts. But anywho, um, they took Parsons at Dallas took Parsons at twelve, linebacker once again thirteen. The Chargers took Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman out of Northwestern. Fourteen, the Jets with another trade up went and got Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman out of USC. Fifteen, Mac Jones, New England was able to sit there, and Mac Jones came to them. So 
there's your top 15. I won't go through the entire first round. I'm sure if, if you're watching this, I hope you watched it or watched our, I hope you watched our draft show, or at the very least you watched the draft on, you know, one of the networks last night. And so you know how the rest of the round play, played out. But I'd like to get into a few of what I deem as some of the head scratchers of this. And it delights me to be able to lead this head scratching segment off with the Las Vegas Raiders. What have I said so many times? And I know I said it during the broadcast last night. The Raiders are gonna Raider. And so the Raiders sat at number 17. And when they had some premium tackles, some premium offensive linemen, just some elite talent available to them at 17, they went with Alex Leatherwood right there. That's something that kind of blew all of our minds. And I'd, I'd like to take a moment to actually turn this around, turn this board around so you see the, the, the first round and how everything played out. Obviously, the victor's right there, 47 to 37. But I'm going to get my Vanna White on real quick here, and I'm going to turn this board around. So, excuse me. Looky here at this. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's two-sided, folks. It's a two-sided board. Check that out. Look at this. Look at this. The composite top 100 big board as drawn out with, and this is something where our own Ty James, he had gone in and he had made a composite of like a dozen different draft, draft boards from different websites. And as he was completing it, nearing completion, ready to print it out, ready to show his friends, what does he discover? The Athletic has created a composite draft board, draft top 100 of 50 different draft rankings. So this is, this is uh, the top 100 composite over 50 different. And so I'm, ma I'm making fun of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for taking Alex Leatherwood. And why am I doing that? Because they were at number 17 and they took Alex Leatherwood. Where is he? Oh, gee, 45, the 45th ranked player on the board. And they went with him at offensive tackle when you still had 14, Christian Derisaw still available. You still had 21, Tevin Jenkins available. Highly questionable. But once again, I love to say it here in the Chiefs kingdom. We can be rest assured the Raiders are going to Raider. And last night in round one, the Raiders continued to Raider. Uh, let's see, a few others. Uh, the pick right before that, Arizona Cardinals selected Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. And I actually, I'm not opposed to that. I like Zayvon Collins a lot. And Collins is actually, he was number 24 on our board. And so he's, he's a very, he's an elite talent. He's, he's top-notch linebacker. And he's, he was a stud. Big dude, too, about 6'4", 270 out of uh out of tulsa but my question is that the cardinals spent a top 10 pick last year on isaiah simmons the linebacker slash safety kind of a tweener out of clemson now they take a linebacker who's kind of a tweener between a defensive lineman at 6'4, 270 to pair with him and the problem that the cardinals had last year and simmons while an elite talent and clearly collins is too is now you have two players with undefined positions. And I love chess pieces. Excuse me. I love chess pieces. The Chiefs have one of the best in the game in Teron Matthew. But 
the Cardinals didn't seem to know what to do with Isaiah Simmons last year. And by going out and getting Zayvon Collins, I question if they know what they're going to do with him pairing along with Isaiah Simmons. And maybe they do. Maybe there's a plan in place. And all this is for naught. But at this point in time, I just I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury and company are doing down there. So at least they've got Kyler Murray. That kid's a freaking stud. Um, I did question Micah Parsons. I think that's a head-scratcher. Dallas has displayed a severe level of ineptitude when it comes to their decision-making with their linebackers the last few years. And I think Aaron would agree with me in that. When you look at Jalen Smith, both drafting him when he wasn't going to be able to play, I liked it at the time, but then extending him, and he looks like one of the worst linebackers in the league last year. And then spending a first-round pick on Leighton Van Der Esch, who, while, yes, he's a very good talent, he has some really, really concerning injury problems, especially above the shoulder. And that's not to say that he's a head case. That's to say literally like concussion concerns. And uh, that's something that they have to be very wary of. And now they went and took somebody who also is, uh, has concerns above the shoulder. But in this case, it is head case. And so Micah Parsons displayed some very, very concerning levels of just – being a good teammate at Penn State. And so I'll leave that as it is, but I, that's a head-scratcher in my opinion. Um, New Orleans taking uh, defensive end out of Houston, Peyton Turner at number 28 when there was still a couple other good pass rushers on the board, such as Aziz Ojolari, who pretty much was a consensus, one of the top three pass rushers in this draft, along with Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay. And the fact that he was still on the board and – both 28, New Orleans went with Peyton Turner, and then 31, uh, Baltimore went with Jason Owe, who, yes, he is a defensive end, a 260-pounder who ran a 4-3-9-40. But he also was not a productive pass rusher at Penn State. And so that leaves – that just has me kind of scratching my head. That's why we call this the head-scratcher segment uh, of why there, when there was an elite talent like Ojolari still on the board – that these teams went elsewhere. Um, and just a couple more, the uh, Steelers going with Najee Harris, the running back out of Bama at uh, 24. And yes, he was mocked. He was projected to go there. And Najee Harris reminds me very much of Le'Veon Bell. And I can see that, I can see the draw there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But my concern is something that reared its ugly head for them last year. And I called all season last year with on the tailgate waiting for this to happen. And that was the Steelers have some very legit offensive line concerns. And instead of addressing those concerns, when you, again, you have the likes of a Tevin Jenkins on the board and you just lost Alejandro Villanueva in free agency. You need to fortify that offensive line. You lost Pouncey to retirement. And then they draft a running back with their first round pick. Very questionable move on, on the Steelers part, in my opinion. And then uh, the last one that I have is Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia, going to Green Bay at number 29. And that's in large part because of the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers situation. And one of his biggest points of frustration with Green Bay is, of course, drafting a quarterback in the first round last year. But also in the entirety of his career in Green Bay, they have never used a first-round pick on a running back or a wide receiver, or a tight end, an actual playmaker for Aaron Rodgers. And in their opportunity to appease him, they took a cornerback and fortified one of the strongest positions on their entire team, and a position that they have invested heavily in over the last several years. 
I don't know what the hell is going on in Green Bay. And my final head scratcher is this is on the NFL draft in general. And they're just, just the nature of the NFL just thinking too highly of themselves and deciding that it was good television to put the chair that Roger Goodell sat in last year when he did, his, did the draft from his home, from his basement, wherever the hell he was. And when he finished it out, probably a few cocktails in, chilling in, his, chilling in that, that lazy boy. And don't get me wrong, it's a nice looking lazy boy. But deciding that to rehash something from last year's draft, a very unique remote edition of the draft, that you're going to bring back his chair of all things. Whatever, man. NFL is going to do what the NFL is going to do. And that's where they, they put, bring him out on stage. He talks to a fan that's sitting there in the recliner. And then he goes up and makes the pick. And uh, what, what are you doing, NFL? Like, nobody gives a crap about that freaking chair. And if nobody really, really gives a crap about Roger Goodell and where he parks his keister. So thou, those are my head scratchers for, the, for last night's draft. But... With head scratchers, you also get some winners. And there were some definite winners in this draft as well. And I'm going to run through some of those. And as I talked about earlier, San Francisco is one of my big winners. Because, again, we so, so badly did not want them. And none of us are Niner fans. But none of us wanted to see them actually trade up to go get Mac Jones. Because, again, that would have been the head scratcher of all head scratchers. But that they trolled so many people, so many in the media, and saying and seemingly going after Mac Jones, and then at the end of the day, they go get Trey Lance. Brilliant, loved it. That was uh, they, they even they even came out and said at one point that uh, well, I mean, I don't, I can't even say that we're all going to be alive tomorrow. Is one thing that Shanahan said. Like the fact that you're saying that there's could be potentially an apocalypse that maybe no none of us are going to be around the next day or something like that. The fact that you're even hinting at that goes to show that you you wanted people to have no idea what the hell you were going to do. And sure enough, nobody knew. And except for the tailgate podcast, we knew, but, um, but then going with, with Lance, that was the correct pick. And I give them a lot of credit for that. Another pit, another winner for me is Atlanta. And a lot of people can disagree with me on this and that's fair. I dig the fact they want to give Matt Ryan and company one more go. And yes, they have concerns on defense. They have concerns on offensive line, but they have tried to address some of those concerns through the draft. It was only two years ago that they took two offensive linemen in the first round. And so if, though, if they can stay healthy, and that's a big if for Atlanta, and that's been proven over the last few years, if they can stay healthy and avoid some of the strokes of bad luck, which is another massive if, I like the idea of giving Matt Ryan one more go. Yes, he's 36, but, and it all also hinges on whether or not they are actually going to try to deal Julio Jones. But... The prospect of a Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts-led offense is very, very intriguing. That team could be a lot of fun to watch if that offensive line does come to fruition uh, and stay healthy. And, man, that could be – Atlanta could be, could be dangerous. It could be some very high-scoring games, but it could be a lot of fun. And so Atlanta is one of my winners. And I have to mention also, uh, man, Detroit, Panay Sewell the best offensive lineman, and yes, Aaron, the third best prospect on the board, <laughs> um, falling down to you at seven. Detroit, yes, they probably wanted to try to trade down, trade down, but in a scenario where they weren't unable to trade down, having Panay Sewell fall to you at seven is 
that those are the kind of things that can turn the franchise for Detroit. Those are the kind of things that don't tend to happen to Detroit. And so this could be a game changer for them because they got one of the best tackle prospects of the last decade. And they have to be very excited. And I know, again, our own Ty is very, very excited about that. It was damn near in tears. Uh, Philadelphia going up from 12 to 10 to go get Devontae Smith. All they did was give up a 33rd-round pick, the 84th overall pick, to be able to go, go and trade up with their hated rivals. I think this is what more – I don't think Cowboys fans were mad about their draft pick or the fact they went down to 12. I think they were mad that they were <laughs> – the Cowboys fans were mad that they, the Eagles of all teams, they allowed to jump up to 10 to go get their guy. Well, you can be mad all you want to, Cowboys fans, but it was a stroke of genius for Philadelphia, and Devontae Smith is the perfect wide receiver for that. That guy can help out Jalen Hurts tremendously. And I know people were very high on Jamar Chase, and I'm also high on Chase, but, man, I have been very outspoken about my affinity for Devontae Smith. And, I again, I think that's a huge winner there coming out of Philadelphia for them to go and snag him as he was falling down the board. As I mentioned earlier, Chicago going out and getting Justin Fields. I already talked about it, so I won't go any further, but that's a win, folks. That's, that's a big, big-time quarterback. We're talking about a guy who – he, he's been docked for a couple of seemingly bad games last year that really weren't all that bad. I mean, and his good games were great. This is a guy who went in, along with Trevor Lawrence, as the two favorites to go and win the Heisman Trophy. And no, he didn't. And no, he didn't win the national title. But somehow the fact that he slipped away from being the number two quarterback on the board and the number two pick on the board was kind of ridiculous. And I wouldn't be shocked if in, in five years people look back and like, what the hell were we thinking? And that Justin Fields was not the second best quarterback or maybe even the best quarterback on the board. But I think that was a very, again, a potential game changer for Chicago. In a day in, a day in which you see, it's, it's a fascinating day for the NFC North because you see Detroit have a big win. You saw Chicago have a big win. And I'll get to one with Minnesota had a big win as well. And yet the team that seems to be just shooting themselves in the foot the most is the Green Bay Packers, the reigning division winners. And it just really kind of makes you wonder about the future of that division. And that's something I think that Bears, Lions, and Vikings fans can get very excited for. Uh, but also the Chargers just sitting there at 13 and letting Rayshon Slater fall to them. Man, and I mentioned it on the show last night, does it ever piss me off that that was the Chargers badly needed a left tackle and they were able to stand pat and let their dude come fall to them. They got the second best lineman in the draft, maybe the best lineman in the draft. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, at least the Chiefs have gotten better, so it's not like, you know, they're necessarily catching up to us, but damn it. And then same for uh, New England with Mac Jones just falling to them. They sat there and watched all this chaos, all this shenanigans happen above them. Well, they're there at 15, and the talk of them maybe trying to trade up to 11 or 12 or even up to 8. With Carolina to go get Mac Jones, nope, they got to sit there. Freaking Bill Belichick was able to just sit tight and get his guy, Mac Jones, at 15, who he clearly thinks is a lot like Tom Brady. I mean, if you saw the pictures that were out there on social media last night of Mac Jones shirtless after the national title game with that cigar, and then Tom Brady 21 years ago at the NFL Combine shirtless, well, it seems like, you know – Maybe Bill Belichick has a type. So, but I'll leave that there 
Uh, we will see there. And then just a couple more winners. I think Indianapolis getting, I think, the best pass rusher on the board in Quiddy Pay. Uh, Tennessee, Caleb Farley, I think, getting the best cornerback. Yes, there are the concerns over the back injuries, but that fell to him uh, down in, I think, uh, it was 21 or 22. Uh, they got Caleb Farley, maybe 20. Uh, and then I mentioned Minnesota. They were able to sit tight and have Christian Derisaw fall all the way to them, the third best tackle on the board. And that he was right there for them, right there, right, right for the picking. My last winner in this is uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And that's because, you know, they had both 27 and 31 after getting 31 from Kansas City. And we projected them to go get, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Aziz Ojolari, the, the pass rusher out of Georgia. We projected them, the tailgate did, to get him at 27. And instead, they did not. And they went with Rashad Bateman. But Rashad Bateman is a very good receiver. I think the fourth best receiver in this draft. And they were able to get him at 27 out of Minnesota. That helps out Lamar Jackson tremendously. Obviously, the Ravens already added Sammy Watkins. And they have Marquise Brown. Now they get another bigger receiver at 6'2", 210 pounds in Bateman. Incredibly productive career at Minnesota. And that's, uh, I mean, you're, you're helping the franchise. You're helping Lamar Jackson. Whether or not he develops into a great passer, I mean, he's already had some some sterling moments for sure, but he's he still has a couple more levels to go to truly be elite. And if he's ever going to become elite as a passer, Rashad Bateman is the right move to try and help get him there. So even though I said it was a head scratcher for Baltimore to go with Jason Owe, the pass rusher out of Penn State at 31, it was definitely a winner for them to go with Rashad Bateman at number 27. And this draft was also fascinating because you saw some weird reunions. You saw both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, the two, two stars of the last several, last few years with Clemson, reunited with Jacksonville. That's a first, the first time I can honestly think of that ever happening in NFL history in which a team uses their two first-round picks on backfield mates from the same college. And former national championship winning backfield mates, pretty damn good teammates. And they're going to try to recreate that magic in Jacksonville. That's what you saw Urban Meyer going and doing. Uh, you also saw uh, what I mentioned earlier, the Bayou Bengal connection to the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase being reunited, former LSU teammates. And then a couple of former Bama teammates, one in Miami, two at Tagovailoa, now gets to throw to his former teammate Jalen Waddell, which will get a little bit interesting because Waddell was quoted before the draft when he was asked. And he says, oh, I, I like Mac more than Tua. Well, we'll see how you feel about that once you sign that contract you run out there on the field in Miami, Mr. Waddle, because the one who's going to get you paid and the one who's going to continue to get you paid is going to be Tua Tagovailoa. So we'll, we'll see which quarterback you like more here in a couple years. And then finally, as also mentioned, uh, Devontae Smith being reunited with Jalen Hurts. Yes, Hurts graduated from Oklahoma or finished off his career at Oklahoma. But, again, they are former teammates at Bama. And so he did spend four years there at Bama. Uh, Devontae Smith did. And so you got another pair of teammates reunited. And I think that's just kind of a cool thing to see. You don't see that all too often. And this draft is very unique in that it was four, and all four of them former national championship teammates. So that's kind of crazy to see. But um, I'm going to finish off this with now we come into day two. Today you have the second and third round starting this evening. And a lot of very elite talent is still on the board. I'm going to point some out. We've obviously I've sat here and I've pointed to Aziz Ojolari on numerous occasions throughout this edition. 
And that's because, again, I think he was one of the three best pass rushers in this draft in which everybody, any of the defensive ends after that, I think it was questionable. I'm not saying they were going to be bad defensive ends, but whether or not they would be really dynamic pass rushers was legitimate concerns. And that's where Ojolari, our 20th best prospect on the board, still being available to somebody in the second round. Very interesting to see who might make a play there. Whether or not, I mean, you've got Jacksonville, the Giant, the Jets, and uh, the Dolphins right there at the top of the board and the Falcons of the second round. Does somebody try to trade up? Does somebody see, you know, one of the prospects that they really, really want? And now, now I don't have to trade up for trade up capital to get to a first round pick. We shall see. Tevin Jenkins out uh, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. Some had him rated as the third or fourth best tackle in this draft. Of course, on this board, he is the fourth best tackle. Uh, and then Jeremiah Wusu koromoa the linebacker slash maybe safety out of Notre Dame. I said that I've said before that I liked the, the Chiefs possibly getting him when they still had the 31st overall pick because he'd be like a supercharged Dan Sorensen. He'd bring the speed and range that Sorensen does not possess. And the fact that he's still the number 17 rated prospect on the board is still available. Somebody is going to benefit from him slipping down and some of the questionable decision-making that you saw with some of the other teams in the lower half of the first round that skipped out on him. Uh, you also, the safety out of TCU, Trevon Morig, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, Christian Barmore, the center out of Alabama, Landon Dickerson. I just named six guys out of the top 20, top 32 that are still available to, uh, to teams right there in the top of the second round. Other talents that maybe would have been, that were considered first round picks on a lot of mock drafts. Elijah Moore, small receiver out of uh, Ole Miss, but a very dynamic receiver. And he was a late riser in this draft process. And all of a sudden people found him even jumping up into the teens, into the top 20 in some mock drafts. Uh, but he's still available right there. And another wide receiver also out of the SEC, LSU's Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, a couple of running backs, Javante Williams and, oh man, I had him. Okay, so a running back, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Uh, but yeah, another offensive tackle, Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Another very dynamic playmaker out of Purdue, Rondale Moore. I have said before that he reminds me very much of if there's any prospect that I've seen that I think could be something close to a Tyree kill, it is him. Something He's a very special talent. Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback out of Florida State. Some People, I've seen some projections that think that he could end up being the best quarterback out of this draft, period. Number 40, still available. And then you see all these red check marks that my dear friend Punch liked to point out yesterday, and he put all these red check marks of all these elite talents that are still available. So it really makes you wonder what our team's going to do at the top of the second round. Are we going to see some moving around? Which, of course, brings into question, I bring it all back home, baby, to Kansas City. We have number 58 and number 63 in this second round. What are the Chiefs going to do? I think they have a needed edge, a, a pass rusher. I think they have a needed wide receiver. I think they have a needed linebacker. I wouldn't be upset about another offensive lineman. I wouldn't be upset about a cornerback. There's a number of directions for the Chiefs to go here. Do they stand pat at 58 and 63? Or do they try to package them or package one of them with say a fourth rounder or maybe a third rounder next year or something and try to jump up higher if one of these elite talents continue to slip. I would love to see Aziz Ojolari in a Kansas City uniform. I would love to see, I know that we have Lucas Niang, but 
I would not be mad if all of a sudden the Chiefs ended up with Tevin Jenkins somehow too. I mean, that would be that. You want to talk about protecting the franchise. Goodness gracious. And the same can be said for Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson or Samuel Cosme or one who I would really love. And Aaron has been on record with me as well is Quinn Miners, uh, the, uh, the offensive lineman out of Wisconsin Whitewater. The guy's been another late riser. Yes, I realize he's only 65, but that's because a lot of these draft rankings haven't caught up over the last month. Miners was considered, he's considered a guy probably top of the second round. And we're talking about a guy who rose from virtually unknown all the way up. He is a tough, tough kid. He was injured in the, in the senior bowl practices and not allowed to play. And he begged the head coach to let him play, not to show showcase himself, but because he wanted to go play against talent that had been better than him. He was voted by his peers as the best offensive line at senior bowl week. Uh, excuse me, the best offensive lineman at senior bowl week. That showed he's going against top-notch power five conference talent. I would love to see him in a chief uniform lining up at center for the next decade for the Chiefs. I mean, there's just Nick Bolton, the linebacker out of Mizzou. Uh, there's Pat Fryermuth. I know we have Travis Kelsey. Can you imagine how fun, how much fun it would be to line up two really good, uh, one elite Hall of Fame level tight end, but then another very talented tight end. That would solve the Chiefs' problem that they've had at number two. And if something were to happen and Travis Kelsey had to miss an extended amount of time, you have a viable option at the number two spot. Uh, using a second round pick might be a risk there, but that's something where you could kind of transform that, that offense into a more of a two tight end set. And that also offsets the fact that maybe our wide receiver depth isn't where we'd like it to be. And that can create different ways for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to work together to really give defenses nightmares. So there's a lot of options for where the Chiefs can go here on day two. And with, again, two top 65 picks, I am thrilled to watch the, this, watch the draft unfold this evening. And finally, yesterday was fun with the Chiefs not uh, participating and just kind of being impartial and just enjoying everything, enjoying the, the, just the camaraderie of everybody that was here. Well, mostly with you know, a couple exceptions, but, uh, and then just enjoying just the spectacle that is the first round of the NFL draft. That's not the case tonight. I'm watching because I want to see what the Kansas City Chiefs do. We, yeah, we got back to the show. We got back to the Super Bowl. But I want to see what they do tonight to make sure that we win it. They've been making, Brett Veach has been making the moves during this offseason. Obviously, the big reason that, one of the bit most exciting reasons is the reason we didn't have a first-round pick last night. And that was going out and getting Zeus, big Orlando Brown Jr., to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside. Now I want to see what we do to fortify the rest of the roster. Where do we go? So watch that tonight. No, we won't be doing a tailgate broadcast for this, but uh, or, uh, or a KCPN broadcast. So you can just enjoy it from, the, from your own homes. If you go out to a bar or restaurant and watch it or whatever, go to a friend's house. But let's see what the Chiefs do tonight. So once again, I want to thank you. Thank you for everybody who tuned in to last night's draft show. Thank you for everybody for watching us on this Friday edition of Tapped In. See what the Chiefs do tonight. Go watch some Royals. Best record in baseball, 15-8. and eight. Go check that out. And Kansas City, you have a wonderful weekend, and I will be right back here with you on Monday.